Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is creepy. Wait, wait. Seriously? We're going to do this again. Last year wasn't enough. 31 days in a row of free content and you're back for more? (sighs) Fine. One more. Just one. You can thank our patrons at patreon.com slash creepypod for this one. This was a personal narration request and they wanted to share it with everyone. That's right. People who support the show aren't just generous with me. They want to share it with everyone. Just another reason to love the horror community. So fine. Last one. You're just going to have to figure out how to last three more days until our Sunday episodes resume. Now. This is Creepy. A podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy Presents The Last Time I Picked Up My Son Credited Teaser Owl Cave Dev on Reddit No Sleep There's a day when I picked up my son that sticks out to me more than almost any other. It wasn't the most memorable day of my life. Hell, nothing of no particularly happened. It was a nice day. Summer. My wife and I decided to take our five-year-old son Josh to the zoo. We've been so many times before. Josh loved the animals. Loved running up to the enclosures for the lions, the polar bears, the elephants. The monkeys were his favorite. He'd watch them for hours, giggling as they capered and danced. On this particular family outing, we teamed up with friends of ours, another couple, Marcus had been a friend of mine since high school. We'd spent our formative years together, got married around the same time, entered into the joys of fatherhood within a few months of one another. Marcus was my best friend outside my family and my closest confidant as we both navigated the trials and pitfalls of fatherhood. We were at the zoo with Marcus, his partner Lisa, and his two children, Danny and Chloe. Danny was a few months older than Josh, both in the same kindergarten class at school, both lifelong friends. The boys had run off, exploring the zoo with youthful enthusiasm as Chloe, three, clung onto her mom's hand while Lisa and my wife Jade had their usual girl talk. Marcus and I stood looking over at the capybaras, 
Funny creatures. They hop and shuffle like giant hamsters. We chatted about work, our families, the Mets, usual things. I don't remember really. What I do remember is catching sight of Josh and Danny hurdling around, weaving in and out of the handful of zoo goers who traipsed through the park. Josh had a monkey hat on his head. Lisa and I had bought it for him at a trip to the zoo over a year ago, and now we wore it any time we came to see the animals. Josh! I called. Come look! Josh scurried over to me, Danny following close behind. I pointed at the capybaras. They were new. I didn't remember seeing them the last time we'd been. Josh pushed his face up against the bars, staring down at the animals as they played. One of them looked up at us, wrinkling its nose and showing its buck teeth. Josh giggled and gave the capybaras a wave. The animal approached us. Josh strained to see, trying to look downward, but he was too short to see the capybara from that angle. I picked him up, hoisting him against my hip as he wrapped his arms around my neck. From there, we peered over into the enclosure. It wasn't long before Josh got bored, encouraged by persistent tugs on his sleeve from Danny. I carefully put my son down and watched as the two boys scooted back into the park. You know what's really weird to think about? Marcus asked. I turned to him. Your face? Marcus laughed. <laughs> no. Just think. One day you pick up your kid, and you put him down, and you never pick him up again. What do you mean? I asked, frowning. We'll think about it, Marcus said. We pick up our kids all the time, right? Things like that, or cuddles, putting them in bed. Every day. But kids grow up, yeah? We stop picking them up. They become independent, I guess. And it stands to reason that one time you'll pick your kid up, put him down, and that's the last time you'll do so. We probably won't even notice. One day it's commonplace. The next day it won't be. I thought about this for a moment. Christ, Marcus. That's depressing. I laughed, trying not to show the sadness in my voice. He was right, of course. He was absolutely right. Suddenly I felt very old. I watched Josh as he and Danny disappeared into the reptile house. My boy looked so tiny, so fragile. But one day he'd become a man, and I wouldn't be hoisting him against my hip lifting him out of the car when he'd fallen asleep, carrying him to bed. From that day on, I vowed to remember whenever I picked my son up. If there had to be one final time, then I wanted it to be something I'd pay attention to. I didn't want to wake up one day and realize my son had grown up. I know that I couldn't recall the last time I carried him. I have a good memory. I didn't resort to a carry-my-kid journal or anything. Nothing weird. I just made a mental note every time Josh wanted a hug or we horsed around or he was so sleepy I had to carry him to bed. And, for my part, I made sure to pick him up whenever he wanted. 
I'd always offer him piggybacks, rides on my shoulders. If we went to the store and he was gazing at a high up shelf, I'd lift him to have a look. I avoided the magazine rack, of course. Josh had always been a fairly small boy in height and build. And as the months went on, I saw no sign of him growing out of being picked up. I started not to worry. I started not to do it as often. Early in the year that Josh turned eight, he had a growth spurt. He'd become a real sporty kid, very active, star little league player. He watched the games with me on TV, his interest evolving from baseball to cover American football too. The idea of my son becoming a star quarterback, taking his high school to the finals in senior year, these were not only things I speculated about, but things that myself and my eight-year-old son talked about. For a guy like me, Josh was the ideal son. We were so close. I helped him train. I told him stories about my sporting glory days back in high school. I watched him grow up. He was bigger now and heavier, but I'd still give him piggyback rides. He'd sit on my shoulders occasionally, whooping and laughing as I swayed back and forth, the weight of him pressing down on my aging back. Then I'd put him down and we'd toss the ball back and forth, making small talk. Not just my son, but my friend. My boy was growing into a young man. Danny had gone the other way. He was a pale, bookish child, a little effeminate. He loved reading. He didn't engage in sports at school. He and Josh were still friends, but they drifted apart. They ran in different circles. Marcus, never one for the outdoor activities himself, was exceptionally proud of Danny. We often joked about how we had little clones of ourselves. That summer, we decided to go on another joint family outing to the zoo. Josh and Danny hadn't really hung out together outside of school for a while. So the boys were excited to spend time together away from the social groups and expectations that came with them. I remember the scene. I remember it so, so well. Jade and Lisa sat in the shade, talking about who knows what, shadowed by Chloe who loved adult company. Danny was leading Josh around, teaching him about the animals. Marcus and I stood chatting, catching up about work. We stood in the same spot as we had on that day some years ago, overlooking the capybara enclosure. The capybaras were gone now, moved to another part of the park. Their enclosure had been entirely landscaped, replaced with a large central rock and a pool of clear blue water, which descended into an underground viewing room. Hello, Bill Band here from the All 80s Movies Podcast to tell you about Factor Meals. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. 
Head to Factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off. That's code 80smovies50 at Factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get your 50% off today. As I watched, the polar bears ambled out of their cave. Majestic, white creatures that paced around before sniffing suspiciously at a bucket of fish. I rested against the chest-high guardrail and watched the bears as Marcus talked about his asshole boss. Josh and Danny ran over, breathless, excited. The monkey hat was perched on Josh's head. He still wore it, even though the thing was almost too small now. The boys hadn't seen the bears yet. Danny gazed through the bars his hands gripping the railings as he watched the polars intently. One of them was kicking a fish along the concrete, leaving a bloody trail in its wake. Josh bounced up and down beside me, peering over the top of the high guardrail, still listening to Marcus, who was asking me for advice on how to complain about his boss without looking like he was complaining. I hauled Josh up onto my shoulders so he could get a better look. I picked up my son. I barely noticed the weight of my son pressing down on me. My attention was on Marcus, on his request. I barely noticed when Danny, eager to get my son's attention, reached up and tugged on Josh's trouser leg. As Josh shifted his weight and Danny's call for attention became more insistent, I barely noticed as my son's weight pressed down against my shoulders, my spine. I only began to notice as my legs buckled and I stumbled forward, reaching out to steady myself against the rail. And even then, even then, I didn't really think until I felt the weight against the back of my head, pushing forward on my neck, weighing down my body so I lost my balance. The guardrail bashed into my chest. I couldn't breathe. There was a tightness against my throat and uncomfortable, unbearable pressure in my neck. I felt like my spine would snap. And then... Blissfully, it was gone. All this happened in a split second. A split second before I heard a loud splash. It's funny. The first thing I saw wasn't my son hitting the water in the polar bear enclosure. The first thing I saw was Danny, standing there pale-faced and wide-eyed, a scrap of khaki fabric clutched in his hand. Around me, people were yelling, shouting. I felt like I was underwater myself. Winded. Dazed. Someone beside me was shaking my arm. I was still pressed against the guardrail. My body twisted around so my gaze fell on Danny. My spine strained, and the significance of the splash hit me. And there was Josh, floundering in the pool below. I think he was screaming. I don't know. My ears were ringing. Josh was a sportsman. He played softball. He planned on being a footballer. But he couldn't swim. He'd always been terrified of the water. And now, his frantic splashing, his flailing limbs. They drew the attention of the polar bears. They were majestic creatures, truly majestic, even acting as the predators they are. 
They bounded across the enclosure, white hair sparkling in the summer sun, snarling jaws revealing sharp, wicked teeth. Not even half a minute had passed before both polar bears dove into the pool, their sleek bodies breaking the surface of the water as they swam towards my son. My eyes flicked between the animals and Josh, who was struggling to turn, struggling to stay afloat. I watched as one of the bears, underwater, caught Josh's ankle in its mouth as it dragged my son beneath the surface. Behind me, I heard the muffled sound of running feet, more shouts, screams. But those splashes, those snarls, the strangled cries of my son as his head surfaced, only to be pulled back under. They were what echoed in my ears. The pool ran red. Blood blossomed from the snarling, writhing mass of flesh and muscle beneath the water. A hand bobbed up from the depths and floated there, lifeless, until one of the bears snatched it back down and descended out of sight. The other bear was already climbing out of the pool, dragging with it a hunk of torn flesh that left a trail of blood in its wake. On the surface of the pool, floating in its now still water, red with my child's blood, was his monkey hat. I remember the next time I picked up my son vividly. He felt light, lighter than I remembered, but the extra weight pressed down on me regardless. I stood at his feet, on the right-hand side of my son. Marcus was on my left, my father behind me, and three other family friends gripping the handles tightly as we walked Josh's body down the aisle of the church. As I gently placed the coffin down, Marcus's words from all those years before came back to me. One day, you pick your kid up, then you put them down, and you never pick them up again. I held onto the handle of that coffin for as long as I could, cold brass pressing into my palm, until Marcus gently took my arm and led me away, back to my seat. Jade sat on the other side of the aisle, her mascara running with tears, her mother gripping her hand tightly. My wife could no longer look at me. She could no longer speak to me. I had picked my son up, and I had finally put him down. But I couldn't allow that to be the last time. Not then. Not there. Not with my son in that pine box, surrounded by onlookers. I longed to lift him in my arms one last time. To hoist him on my back. To make him laugh as I carried him through life. It took me two years pull myself together and go out there. Two years of solitude and misery in which not a single day passed when I did not remember the last time I picked up my son. Two years until I found myself in that graveyard in front of his small, hopeless grave. 
dead flowers rested in a vase in front of the stone. Jade, I assumed. We hadn't spoken in over a year. Not since the divorce was finalized. I dug. I dug, and I dug, and I dug. Until eventually my shovel hit wood and I pried the lid up and I was able to pick up my son. My beautiful son. The mortician had done a good job. Little had remained to Josh. But those pieces had been put back together into something at least resembling the strong, healthy boy he once was. I held his poor, broken body in my arms, taking in every moment, committing the scene to memory. I didn't care about the smell, the decomposition. It was Josh. It was my son. And I had picked him up for one last time. And the memory would stay with me forever. I love you, Josh. I whispered. I felt the gentle squeeze on my shoulder. Bony, damaged hands gripping the muscle that strained to hold the weight to my son. The scent of the grave wafted past my nose as I heard the rasping of a dry, dusty voice. Dad, it said, carry me home. For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, or to suggest stories for future episodes, please visit us at CreepyPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or email us at CreepyPod at gmail.com. All stories told on this podcast can be found at creepypastawikia.com and are protected by a Creative Commons license. Some rights reserved unless otherwise stated. Item number SCP-5186 SCP-7160 SCP-7533 Object class Euclid Keter Safe Special containment procedures Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust <laughs> The only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing <laughs> Do you remember your name? Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the...
Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.